Hey, GMs. Who needs bad guys? We all do. How about more than 30 villains oven ready for your campaign? Kabooter Games presents Villains Next Door. Everyday people who have a gaping, pitiless void where they should have a conscience. Designed by a diverse team of creators, each villain has a history, goals, and three story seeds you can use with any system. And each comes with a 5e step lock. Funding on Indiegogo right now. Villains Next Door. Common people with uncommon evil. <laughs> Visit bit.ly slash villains next door and back it today. Which DD subclass <laughs> is the best healer? Find out on tonight's show with special guest Alex Bomb. There will be arguments. Yes, always. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I am your guest host, Alex Bob. Yay! Yep. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Before we get into our main topics, some people may not know Alex Baum. Uh, I absolutely adore her content. Would you like to uh, give yourself a plug? Hi, my name is Alex Baum, misspelled, of course, A-E-L-X, because uh, I am incredibly dyslexic and it spreads its way into everything that I do. Um, I am most, I am uh, two parts. I am a TikTok creator where I focus mostly on dungeon mastering, game mastering, trying to um, put a little more pizzazz into your game mastering, giving you a little food for thought, things like that. And then uh, on the side of Twitch, I also, uh, you know, have chit chat, sit down, you know, talk about whether a gelatinous cube is vegan or not, we decided it is not vegan because it's closely related to a jellyfish and a jellyfish is not vegan. Fun fact. Um, and then also every other Friday, we have the amazing Justin on my stream for Initiative and Intrigues, which is my D&D &D, uh, live show, which is also on YouTube if you want. Um, and yeah. And we're also now getting into Magic the Gathering. In fact, right after this stream, I will be streaming, um, opening up, the new box of um, Match the Gathering Kamigawa Neon wow. Tokyo, which nice. is super exciting. Cyber Ninjas, yes! It's really good, and I've been like dying all day. I actually went and cooked meal prepped for the week because I couldn't open it, and I just didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> you needed something to do. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we are so happy to have you. Sorry we ran into some technical difficulties, but that is not going to stop us from having a wonderful time here on the show today. Um, as you guys can tell, uh, Brandon is not here, so Alex was very happy to uh, to drop in on us and, and, and fill in for him, so I appreciate that. Without doubt, one of the most challenging parts about being a Dungeon Master is coming up with fun and interesting NBCs to flesh out your world with. To truly make them fun and interesting, it takes a lot of work. This is especially difficult for spellcasters. Lucky for us, Magician's Menagerie has got us covered. It is a collection of Arcanists with new spells, items, and inspiring stories to fill out your stories and campaign. Oh, and did we mention? 
the artwork, the layout, it looks gorgeous. This product is coming to Kickstarter on February 15, 2022. They are running an awesome early bird special. Make sure you get in because it is jam-packed with fat loot. My dice are trembling with excitement. Are yours? Don't miss out on this one. Head on over to rebrand.ly slash magiciansmenagerie and introduce your players to characters they will never forget. All right. Um, so today I'm really excited to talk about, uh, we don't generally do rank class stuff. So this is a... a There's a, a reason for that, though. <laughs> right, because we can't never agree on anything. What may be still in those cases. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but today we're going to attempt to rank the... Well, we've kind of ranked them already. We're going to talk about some of our... Uh, <laughs> top five uh, healing subclasses. Now, uh, all three of us ranked stuff, and I took the average and determined where they fit on this uh, line after narrowing it down to five or six of them. So um, we are going to work backwards, starting with number five. Uh, the hope is that we'll have a little bit of back and forth and maybe some new player tips will come out of some of the shenanigans of these different mechanics. Um, so for the first one, which is the fifth on our list, we are going to talk... Uh, about the Celestial Warlock. Um, this is certainly something that is I didn't expect to end up on this list, but actually looking at the mechanics of the, the Celestial Warlock and how the fact it doesn't rely on spells, I feel like it really gave it a, yep. a, 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 a good place on this. Uh, this. <laughs> well, yes and no, but hey. <laughs> you don't think it's a good one? Yeah, well, I mean, it does. But it still does rely on spell, but we'll get more into that. Okay. Um, before uh, I, we kind of give our thoughts, Alex, what are your thoughts on this? I see that you gave it, uh, what, a three? I was the one that gave it the highest rating. I gave it a three, and both of you gave it a four. But I thought that the Celestial Warlock, so whenever I go into these kind of rankings, I kind of I kind of do two things. I go not only for, um, like, ability to heal, but also for, like, originality of how the mechanics work, because... You know, of course, That's Life true. Domain Cleric is the best healer, but no, does is it the best healer? Because it just, it, but it, you know, it, I've played a Life Domain Cleric and it's very like, uh, boring to play in my opinion. And so the reason why I ranked this a three is because like, of, like you said, they have the, um, hang on, it's right here. Uh, then at first level, you gain the ability to channel the celestial energy and heal wounds. You have a pool of d6s that you spend to fuel this healing the number of dice in the pool equals one plus your war warlock level as a bonus action a bonus action and yes, that was really important to me that was the thing that was important to me you can heal one creature you can see within 60 feet of you spending uh dice from the pool the maximum number of dice you can spend is is at once is equal to your charisma modifier um, and then you roll the dice that you spend and then add them together and then restore that number of hit points. That's a bonus action. Absolutely. That's better than Bardic Inspiration, in my opinion. Oh, really? You think so? Yeah, like, because Bardic Inspiration, you add it to the D20, so there's not really, like, a well, like, you could still not have, you could still not, like, a win or, like, you right, know, right. succeed. Where this is just like boom, you get it. So like I actually like I like this one a lot more than you guys liked it. But um <laughs> I also do agree that it is a half caster. It's a warlock, it's a half caster. Mm -hmm. Well and that <laughs> I think it actually technically doesn't even fit into half caster because it's Wait, really? so... yeah, technically warlocks actually are classified as full casters, but that's another topic unto itself. <laughs> that I didn't know. Well, I've always I've always known Warlock as being one of the half casters and one of the people that don't get all of the spell slots that right, everybody right. else gets. Yeah, it definitely um, the metric. And that definitely was the reason why I put it at a three, 
instead of like a tour of other things outranked it. So I mm -hmm. actually agree with you guys a lot that like the limited spellcasting, but mm, that pool of healing, man, it's just it's a little too sexy for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah. well, well, the Celestial Warlock, it's true. Keep in mind, it does have healing spells, mm -hmm. and the benefit is it gets these like because it's a war like these spells back after short rest. That's a, that's a big selling point, yeah. mm -hmm. but that also means it has all the flaws the warlock has too. It's the, that's also true. <laughs> they only have so many spells at once, and their spell list for healing is nowhere near as exhaustive as the other classes Absolutely. on this list. Uh, so they have, and the other thing too is yeah, is their ability. The one that allows them to heal is actually similar, but worse than the ability that the Circle of Dreams Druid has. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. And, and you're right. They don't, uh, I think that, but what I think the, the fact that if a game is running and the assumption is they should be running five to six encounters uh, a day. Right. That, and remember, Warlocks cast at the highest level possible as well. Um, which is a huge uh, bonus, but the fact that they get those spell slots back on a short rest, yeah. if you're following a tr the appropriate uh, number of encounters a day, they actually start to come out ahead, and that's the assumption we make in this analysis, right? That the regular adventuring day is going to be five to six, you know, encounters. Potentially. At the, <laughs> yes. at, yeah, and at that point, um, a, a healer is going to be stretched pretty thin. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a big problem. The other thing that I think that really made the Celestial uh, uh, Warlock uh, stand out is the fact that uh, what uh, Alex just pointed out, the fact that it's a bonus action, making it far superior to healing... Uh, wait, what's the, the, the bonus action healing spell? Uh, healing Wind? Healing, healing Word. Healing Word, that one. Um, and that already is super powerful because that means not only can the warlock boof pop somebody up as a bonus action, they can still blow away another minion, which, yep. which kind of brings us into the, the big question here. What determines if something's a good healer? Is it just the raw damage output or healing output, or is it the versatility that comes with it? Because the celestial warlock does get access to cure wounds, right? And I was going on the uh, raw healing output for my rankings, so. right? And that's okay. Um, and so, uh, and I'd, I'd like to see uh, hear what Alex has on that point. But we got to remember, it gets access to a curing spell, and its pool of healing is not a spell. So we can do the bonus action and a cure wounds in the same <laughs> turn. Yep. And I think that pulls it ahead uh, uh, of the Circle of Dreams Druid. Yep. But the Circle of Dreams Druid also can do the same thing. I did not know that. That's not true. Yes. Yeah, they have because they've got a mechanic too. That does the same thing, only farther range. Yeah, sixty. But it's right? not for as oh. many points. What's it's that? The 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 points. Uh, it's not for. It's not the same dice rule. It's, I think it's a D. I think this circle of dreams druid is a D four, not a D six. Yes, it's weaker. But... I'd be able to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Starting. Yeah. Hey, welcome to my world. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you had your laptop on dual monitor. I don't. Oh yeah, so you're you're stuck with that. Um, so um, there's a lot that goes on there, but that is, for our fifth one, I think the celestial warlock really falls in good. Is there any particular invocations that you think really fit the uh, fit this thing? Because or not invocation packs. For me, it's the uh, the pact of the chain and getting the familiar yep. because you yeah. can deliver your cure wounds through the familiar. Yep. Right, which gives you a mobile, uh, a mobile healing station, because <laughs> the warlock doesn't have to be there to heal. I don't think. 
um, because the, 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 the minion can, the, the, the fine familiar can do it. I, what are your thoughts on that, Alex? I just really love the idea of like, you know, the, the town is getting attacked by like gnolls or something. And there's this, there's this, um, civilian who's like on the ground he's like oh god oh. and he's like like the world is on fire around him and then just running up to him there's this imp and the imp's like please don't run please don't run please don't run. Him. <laughs> and he's like oh god oh god and he's like i'm gonna heal you i promise just don't run come on i gotta <laughs> i love that <laughs> that's hilarious and i think that would make so fun <laughs> i tried to heal him he died why he was running away from me <laughs> <laughs> i love that that is so great. Um, was there any invocations or anything that you guys thought that really fit the uh, the theme at all? Um, I was looking up something else just now. So. Uh, for the invocation or something else in general? Something else in general. Okay. Um, so the, the Warlock is definitely something I wasn't... There, uh, there's a couple on here I wasn't expecting to make this list, but that does make our, our, our fifth spot based on our average rankings. Oh, and the Circle of Dreams Druid also uses D6s. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, there you go. Does it have an imp? No. Does it get its slots back on a short rest? No, but it has way more slots. Fair enough. And uh, spells that most other clans don't even have access to, which were so awesome that what's gonna nerf it? Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the. Our, our... I might be sore of the being put on our rankings. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um. So the, I'm upset where this fell in because for this class, I put it at number one. I think hands down the lore bard is the single best healing class in the game. And I know why you put it at number one, but doesn't mean I agree with the logic behind it. That's fine. I will say mine. <laughs> you can disagree and then I will tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> so uh everyone knows that the bard has access is a full spellcaster, um, has access to a lot of things. Uh the lore bard specifically can pull spells and mechanics from other classes. Up to two spells, I believe, correct? Well, Four actually, because you get it at the magical secrets, you get twice as a lore bard. Okay, once at sixth, I think, and the other at tenth. Um, but anyways, uh, so the first thing I want to touch on, we and, and this makes the most sense is bardic inspiration. Um, bardic inspiration is not a direct heal, and this is where it comes back when I'm talking about what determines what, what satisfies the role of healer, right? And for me, avoidance is just as potent and just as effective as any healing spell, and I would argue that it's more so. So uh, with Bardic Inspiration success, successfully giving players an option to uh, a, a bonus to save against the dangerous spell, best kind of healing. But most importantly, I think that Vicious Mockery is one of the best healing spells because a single uh, missed hit from a powerful enemy is far more advantageous than a healing spell to try to recoup those lost hit points but once again though i was going off, off of straight up healing not damage right. prevention and that's okay and but, and i can have a rebuttal against the uh cutting words go ahead and then we'll let alex take over the spell bane what about it it does the same thing but to more guys minus d4 and is easily resisted too but yes but they also get that so, if they want it right all right alex what do you think so the reason why i put the lord bard at a five i'm sorry mm. is because it's just too okay i don't really okay <laughs> okay okay you're gonna get into this she's like Justin, really... you're wrong asshole now i'm gonna tell you why <laughs> you're wrong no 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 I, I i don't really like the lore bar i don't i mean like i like it but i don't really like it because it is just so spread thin in my opinion that whenever you get into the higher levels 
whenever everybody else is just doing this insane stuff, you just become a, a Swiss army knife. And like, it's cool to be a Swiss army knife. It's great to be, be a Swiss army knife. But whenever you come into healing, whenever you do healing, mm -hmm. that is more thinking um, in my mind, thinking towards mechanic mechanics and stuff like that. And whenever mm -hmm. you're a Swiss army knife of persuasion and deception and perception, you know, all that kind of stuff that takes that takes because you know uh, D, D is all about like all right i'm gonna give a little here and take a little here and blah, 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 and all that right. kind of stuff and you only have a certain amount of power that you're able to get to, to before level 20 and so i feel like it's spread so thin that a lore bard would just not be an adequate healer for you know a paladin a barbarian you know like right. you got a whole if you got no other half healers if you have no other healing in your party it would be like, like, if you had a lore bard and a paladin, that'd be chill. Like, that'd be great. But, like, whenever it's just the lore bard, like, that's kind of how I how I pictured it, was this was the soul healer. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's just too thin whenever you get higher up. Yeah. Well. I, I, I can I, see Justin getting spicy. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I can see him getting spicy. Yeah. Well, and this is where, Bane, I put down that the lore bard for more or less is the jack of all trades, master of none. And right. I do believe it is a competent healer. I just don't believe it's healing, however, it is particularly exceptional. Well, but, and, and I would agree if you're going for, like, raw, like, numbers. Right, and I have ran a game with, was, and the party, the only healer was Elor Bard, and quite frankly, they did their job. So. And that's good. Um, so, the other thing I want to talk about is they have features built into their mechanics that do that. Song of Rest, for instance. So um, hit dice are precious and only recover half during a long rest. And so giving a little extra boost to everyone during a, a short rest when they're recovering hit points is pretty potent as far as recovery. Sure, it's not cover recovery in combat, but going into the next battle, that is a powerful resource. And they do get access to like cure wounds and stuff like that. But because of their uh, magical, uh, uh, the College of Lore magic... Uh, Shit, what's it called? The uh, the magical secrets, which they get two of, they can certainly um, fill and pick up any healing spells from any class that they want. So that kind of uh, offsets the fact that they don't already have access to those. But, but then but they, they can pull only pull so many, of course. Right, you're still limited. But if you're going to pick four, you're going to pick you, you pick the ones that are potent, right? Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, uh, I kind of touched on bardic inspiration, but um, when you become a lore bard, you also get cutting words, which once again is a mechanic that uh, when a creature that you can see within sixty feet makes an attack mm -hmm. roll, ability check, or a damage roll, you can use your reaction to expend a bardic uh, uh, dice and reduce the the effect or the number by that amount. Once again, that could turn a very powerful ogre's hammer to your face to a miss and a completely negate you know uh, a potential of you know 30 40 50 damage depending on the level right and that to me once again as a healing power avoidance can be far more valuable because what level spell do you have to cast to restore you know just 50 hit points a big one mm -hmm. um and that's just i mean even at even if we start let's start at level level one we got a cobalt right cobalt does 1d6 plus two i think right so at max it can do eight how much can a first level spell do at that uh a, a cure wounds 1d8 plus the spell casting modifier right so let's assume spell casting modifier three so the most we're going to do is 12 that's great 
Now you're out of first level spell slot, but I can cast Vicious Mockery over and over and over. Anyway, so that's why I think uh, it deserved to be higher up, but we're putting it at the four. Uh, Garwin does says, say a lore bard has, as a healer, I could see being very tempted to do something other than healing. It could help out the situation. Um, I agree very much. Um, yep. Is there any other comments on the lore bard before we move to number three? No, that's good. I hate that I can't move my mouse up to scroll up. I actually have my show notes open now, so you don't have to keep that open for my... You can use that little side for you if that makes you better. Well, I still need it, so... Oh, well, anyways. So, uh, do you want... Uh, Alex, do you want to tell us about our number three ranked choice here? Yeah, so number three, we put Way of Mercy Monk, which actually, surprisingly, all of us kind of kind of put him in the same the same area. They, two threes and a two, so yeah, we all kind of agreed that, like, upper middle... Uh, Way of Mercy Monk is really, really interesting because it's a beautiful, first of all, the, the, the story behind Mercy Monks is just very beautiful. If you haven't, haven't had a chance to learn about Mercy Monks, I highly recommend it. I'm not a big fan of monks, but like, this one's amazing. Uh, the only thing is, is that there is a good 50-50 split, in my opinion, whenever it comes to the healing aspect and the damage aspect. And the reason why I decided to put... Um, I decided to put them at three is because, or no, I put them at two. The reason I put a Mercy Monk at two is because while I love how much uh, versatility there is, it's a lot of like either or. You can spend yep. your key on hurting or your key on healing. It's like there's not really like, um, there's not. And and that could be a very, very fun thing to play, a very fun, mm -hmm. a fun little game to play with yourself. Like, oh, God, do I need to save this for healing? But at the same time. There's just some that are a little bit better. Right, right. <laughs> but it's worth noting, though, that they are, for the most part, a okay healer until they hit level 11. Level, and, and that's the big pull that pulls this in because, honestly, we I originally had the one of the druids on here, and I changed it because everything I read and the numbers I was looking at convinced me otherwise. But originally, I had it as just an honorable mention, and I had the druid on it? here instead. I and honestly, I think it should have stayed in the honorable mention because all the late games come online until 11. And let's be real here. Most games don't make it that high. <laughs> Do you guys want me to read the level 11 uh, feature? Sure. Go, go ahead. Absolutely. So eleven uh, level 11, you get Fury of Healing and Harm, which is this is what was I talking about, the choice. Mm -hmm. um, starting at level 11, you can now... Uh, I don't know what that is. Mene? Mete? <laughs> Out uh, a flurry of comfort and hurt. When <laughs> you use your flurry of blows, you can now replace each of the unarmed strikes with uh, with a use of one of your hands of healing or, or uh, with one of your hands of healing without spending a key point for the healing. In yeah. addition, whenever you make an unarmed strike with flurry of blows, so the same conditions you could instead use the hand of harm which is something that you get previously to strike out without spending a key point for your hand of harm so essentially it makes hands of harm and hands of healing free um and the really easy thing is hands of healing you they get hit points equal to a roll of your martial arts die yes. plus your wisdom modifier yep and that can be that can be quite a bit, especially yeah. combat. Well, and beyond that, remember, uh, it, it, hands of healing says you can replace one of your flurry of blow attacks, which means you can do it multiple times. And I right. really think that's what makes this one of the top healers because um, I, I'm imagining a chiropractor running and just like bang, bang, crack, crack, and, and and getting you into position. But since you can replace some of your flurry of blows, 
uh, rolling your martial arts die and adding your wisdom modifier instantly makes it very potent. Not only does the minimum healing out heal the features such as cure wounds or, or healing word, but because you're a monk, just like the warlock, you get your key points back on a short rest. So there's, there's no reason not to constantly do it. Um, and I think that that is uh, really interesting. And the fact that you can run bitch slap an enemy and then run and flurry of blows your ally um, uh, is pretty interesting too, I think. Um, and I believe flurry of blows is three hits, right? Well, it's your action to hit and then you get two extra hits, right? I yeah. think. Um, so, so three total, but only two, two would be healing. So you get two that you can do healing hands, but if you're level 11, you probably have a 20 in wisdom anyways. And so that is 10 hit points right there. Uh, Dalcinia says, my sister played it as a pressure point healing where uh, a, a bunch of really fast jabs released the body's chi and allowed it to rapidly heal like a healing spell. That is awesome. And, and it is worth noting that if I recall correctly, the Way of Mercy Monk... Can, at higher levels, once again, can revive dead characters. Oh, yeah, just kick them away. <laughs> hey, stop sleeping, asshole! <laughs> That's what I envision, anyway. <laughs> Kicking somebody awake. Um, Alright, so this is, uh, once again, this is very different, and our Way of Mercy Monk doesn't have a lot of tools outside of that, um, but that is a very potent direct heal uh, uh, mechanic to have. Once again, the martial arts die scales with the player, um, it recharges on short rest, actually half 30 minutes, actually, technically. So there is some benefits there if you can squeeze those in. Um, and more importantly, you can do multiple hits, uh, which is really nice because uh, you can uh, offset with a flurry of blows, which is really, really great. But you are cho you are stuck choosing. I can either, you know, attack with my flurry of blows or heal. And that's kind of the 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 thing you got to figure out with the monk and also there's it doesn't look like there's any ranged but i mean as long as you're yeah. running really fast everywhere i guess that's yep. less of an issue and they and they at least get their key points back on a short rest how much mileage you get out of that of course depends on what level you are but yep. that's I, I think the drawback to this subclass is many if it's healing output is very level dependent yes and i think but that's true for every class because yep. you run out of spell slots to, too, to right? a point but right Eh, we're running out of time. <laughs> All right, so uh, why don't we delve into number two, the Divine Soul Sorcerer. Which was Brandon's number one pick, actually. Yes, and uh, Brandon wanted to make sure that got a shout-out, so kudos to you for making sure you give that shout-out to him. Yep. Uh, so the Divine Soul Sorcerer, this, for obvious reasons, puts it in the top tier meta magic. So regardless of what spell you pick, being able to twin your spell is a huge advantage when it becomes a healer. Yep. you have anything else you want to add to that? They also have full access to the cleric's entire spell list. Yes. I'm a, you're a cleric? Oh, I'm a better one. <laughs> Except for the part where there's still sorcerers and they only know a small amount of spells and adding an entire spell list on top of all that does not make that any easier for them. Quite the right. opposite, actually. Um... So gaining access to some of the uh, those spells, like I think you get Cure Wounds as soon as you select it, right? Yep. Yeah, um, so if you're good, you get Cure Wounds. If you're evil, you get Inflict Wounds. If you're lawful, you get Bless. If you're chaotic, you get Bane. And Neutrality gets Protection from Good and Evil. Right. Ooh, Twin Spell Rabbi. There you go. Oh, you knocked them both out. Boom, get back up, bitches. You ain't got no time to sleep. Um, 
one of the cool, and, and there's more than that, right? So that's the most obvious use of, uh, of the meta magic. But there's other ones too, like Empowered uh, Spell, which allows you to re-roll low rolls, which is super great for increasing the, the, the chance of doing better healing. Or is that Heightened Spell? Heightened Spell. No, it's Empowered one. Healing. Are you talking about the feature? No. So, oh, yeah. Empowered Spell is when you roll a damage one. Heightened Spell is when you cast a spell that forces you to make yeah no i think there's an it's an ability on here it's not the no it's a, it's a it's defi- a what you're talking about is the divine soul uh feature empowered healing uh, starting yeah. at six yep, level right. the divine energy coursing through you can can empower healing spells whenever you or an oh, ally really? within five feet of you roll dice uh to determine the number of hit points that a spell restores you can use one sorcery point to re-roll any number of those dice yeah wow yeah. any number of those any dice. number yes wow oh, nope i'm done uh, oh, so uh, that right there is really cool. But the other thing I wanted to, uh, and I, this is where I meant to go to with the meta magic. When you do extended uh, or distance spell, if you cast a spell with touch, cure wounds, its range becomes 30 feet, which is not quite as good as having a familiar running around and healing people. But oh, by the way, if you ever play, you ever play a uh, silver star, lunar silver star story. I totally want to play a, a Celestial Warlock that has the little null that runs up. Hey, get up! <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> There's two things on here I'm surprised you have not mentioned. I'm, I'm Okay, what are they? Let's let's talk about them. Favorite of the gods. Yes, that was the next point we got to make because that's super powerful. Because knowing your arguments for the bard. <laughs> yes, it is very good because it is avoidant. So for people that don't know, the favored by the <laughs> gods at first level when you pick the divine... Uh, if you fail a saving throw or miss an attack roll, you can roll 2d4 and add it to the total for possible change. Uh, once you use this feature, it does come back on a short rest, which is super nice. But the problem with this is it only applies to you. But if you're dead, you can't heal people. So I'm going to count that as a win. Yep. And also worth mentioning, too, is their 18th level ability, Unearthly Recovery. Is awesome. Oh, I'm down to less than half my hit points. I can't have them back. <laughs> I mean, if you just barely tip, you can pretty much almost go to full, which is great. Yeah. Um, was there any uh, other uh, points you wanted to touch on here, Alex? Oh, just that this is a beautiful subclass, and I absolutely love it and want to play it really bad. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> the, other thing, awesome. the other thing that I really think makes this really good is they have the meta magic extend, which doubles the duration of a spell. So um, if you cast, like, Bless... You can double the duration, which is super useful um, in more than one, especially if you end up getting into two back-to-back encounters. Or regeneration. Or regeneration. Look at that. I love it. So this comes, the, the meta magic is really what makes this good. Um, I mean, think about being able to quicken quicken, and uh, extend your cure, cure wounds. You can now use cure wounds at a distance as a bonus action, which is awesome. All right. And now let's go for another one pick. Yeah, go ahead. The <laughs> I don't think the Life Domain Cleric is the best healer. I still think it's the Lore Bard, but man. The Life Domain Cleric. <laughs> I'm going to go think this now. It's only con is it eventually runs out of spell slots. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, God. All right, Alex, why don't you uh, tell us what you think about this being the number one pick? I mean, just... Supreme healing at 17th level when you would normally roll one or more dice to restore a hit point with a spell and said use the highest possible 
possibility for each die. For example, instead of restoring 2d6 hit points, you just automatically restore 12. I think that just speaks for itself. And not to mention your channel divinity can also heal any creatures of your choice within 3 feet up to five times your cleric level. Justin is a little look, salty that he is wrong. <laughs> look, look. Okay, so like you have to understand the life domain cleric, if I'm not mistaken, I remember life domain cleric in 3.5 and it was just as broken as this one. Like it was just like as like heals, 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 heals as this one. And so like you get to heal, you get to heal. So it totally makes sense to me that this is obviously going to be the number one heal uh, healer of all time. But the thing is like, honestly, have you ever had someone play a life domain cleric at a 5e game? Because I haven't. I have one. Uh, the closest I play with light, but that's because I want the fireball. Yes. <laughs> um, so the actual, in my opinion, um, based on the, the player that I had in this, the channel divinity is actually one of the most potent ways mm. to play the cleric uh, for healing because it doesn't consume spell slots and it recharges on a short rest. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty damn good healing spell. So you can there's restore um, a number of hit points equal to five times your cleric level. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and so that may not seem like a big deal, but the fact that it regenerates on a short rest gives it a, a, a heads up above the rest. Right. And the it's also worth mentioning that their first level ability, yep. the cycle of life, as was already mentioned. Yes. It just adds to plus the spell's level to the about healed, and that will scale very fast. Yeah. And what's really cool is uh, some powers. Uh, there's another ability that. Once you start casting those spells and healing other people, it heals you as well, which is really nice. Uh -huh. So there's a lot going into this that just makes it easier to keep the cleric alive and to keep other people alive. And obviously, from a straight numbers perspective, it absolutely outheals everyone. And uh, <laughs> to mention the fact that they actually have access to heavy armor. <laughs> yep. Heavy armor or medium armor? Heavy. Oh, yeah. nice. They're, They're tanks. They're a very tanky healer. <laughs> like, so I'm envisioning this, them running in, fighting, beating the crap out of Kobolds, looking, he needs heals. You're going to have to wait. I'll come whip your ass in a minute and then run off and heal somebody. That'd be amazing. And finish the job. <laughs> but, um, but somebody, when it comes to just raw numbers, mm -hmm. you can't beat these guys. <laughs> yeah. But that's also one of the reasons, uh, uh, once again, I think that uh, while the raw numbers are very powerful, I think avoiding a single big attack every potentially every turn is better. That's just my opinion. These guys can do it too. And I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying and that there is points to that. Like uh, is Bane is similar, right? Um, but uh, it's not a cantrip, man. It's not a vicious mockery. So that's like how, and that's not kind of the other debuffs clerics and YouTube. Yeah, and and that's and that but that's part of it. So if they do those other debuffs. Uh, they are pulling away from their their healing pool, so which is going to be any healer, I think. Uh, so overall, what are uh, um, as a healer, um, what what did we miss anything in the top five list? Yes. Okay, what did we miss? The circle of dreams, druid. It's in honorable mentions. It should be higher. Okay, so I'm salty about the lore bard. He's salty about the druid. We can't all win. <laughs> I'm just happy with my Divine Soul Sorcerer. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> just sitting out, on my gang. It put out towards the top, that's for sure. So, um, <laughs> uh, once again, these are just our opinions. Uh, they're not set in stone. I didn't run statistical analysis. Um, I just picked what I think 
what was some of the tops and then we kind of just gave them ratings and and went with it but this is kind of i'm confident in this list and i hope that all of you listening will walk away uh, with a new view of the lore bard as the number one healer i mean the number the third what level was fourth damn damn it how did it get down to four I also want to mention that for people who are listening to the podcast and aren't able to see the notes, um, Justin tried to put the lore bard higher by putting a 0. 0.6 instead of a 1. Because we ranked them 1 to 5, and he put a 0. 0.6 to make the lore bard high, not the fifth. Not, you, you put it because if, if you had, had you put that 1, that would be that would be the lowest one, right? All the rest of them are full numbers, but I gave that a decimal, so it would be bigger. <laughs> I'm so petty. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna need a glass of water. It's salty. In here. All right. Um, and I do want to give the shout out to the Circle of Dreams Druid because they do get bald of the summer court, which is basically a uh, healing power. word on crack, mm-hmm. similar to what the warlock does, but better. Yeah, your druid doesn't have a pet though to deliver him, but they can teleport their allies. <laughs> okay. I can see a benefit to that. That's a good avoidance ability. Oh, oh crap. Patrol. Steve, come here. What the? (laughs) Now, I I do want to say this was on the list prior. I made a, I made an audible call and switched it with the way of mercy monk. I was asleep. Well, you know what? You shouldn't be sleeping. (laughs) Sleep is for the week. All right. So that'll do it for our main topic today. The top five best healing subclasses. Um, according to Critic Academy-ish and Alex Baum. We have uh, an oh, announcement to make. we got to make this um, happen. I'm super, super excited. Please. Um, our friends over at One Shot Onslaught and specifically the Majestic Goose Network have launched a Kickstarter for GooseCon. <laughs> GooseCon... <laughs> <laughs> GooseCon 2022 will be the first of new, hopefully annual, tabletop gaming convention ah! oh i'm purple i haven't been to a con in a really long time jones are really fucking hard uh, september 23rd to 25th at the duke energy convention center in cincinnati ohio going yeah. to the duke <laughs> there will be live podcast shows panels a massive open game library vendors alleys and oh so much more there's nothing better than an annual tabletop <laughs> i can't fucking do it the majestic goose is a tabletop uh, rpg podcast network with over dozens of shows we've been on lore and poor i've been on one shot onslaught oh my god that was so much fun we want this to happen because we plan to all go together as well we'll be doing hopefully a show from there running some games from anybody that's interested and just hanging out so oh, yeah please consider checking out uh backing uh goose con at rebrand.ly slash goosecon. Um, check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And now, what you've all been waiting for, our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Our character has a thing is AK-911. It was a war forged. <laughs> AK-911 is a tall barrel chosen ironwood creation covered with shiny bronze plates. Attached to each arm are integrated hand crossbows, perfect for training his vessel to a peppered steak. <laughs> Their hollow eye sockets glow with sensor red light that can send chills down even an orc chief's spine. 
Alex, you want to pick that up in the purple text? All right. So his personality, uh, like many mercenaries for hire, they are kill to serve. Um, not being one loyal to anyone, but, you know, a good coin. AK is a person of few words. They let one-liner insults do the talking after their crossbow. You're already dead. Just lie down. <laughs> Though... AK does, uh, does tend to enjoy hot mud baths when not bathing in the blood of his enemies. <laughs> AK-911 is a warforged construct created during the last era of a military authoritarian kingdom. AK-911 was part of a commissioned set of warforged to be delivered to a private buyer. Unfortunately, the ship that carried him and his kin was destroyed by a powerful storm. Losing these deadly construct assassins, loosing these deadly constructs assassins into the world without anyone to control them. AK is a simple construct being created for war. That is really all they know, actually. But thus, they pushed it to complete its purpose. AK isn't without realizing the cost of battle and value of a good dead target. Coin is all it takes to earn AK's loyalty. I'm not picking coin slots on this guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, yes. So long as they get coins for their mud baths. They'll do as instructed, but be wary. As soon as they better overcome the long, even if you're an ally, AK will put an arrow in your back. <laughs> Alex, what do you think about AK-911? So, nine one one. I shouldn't say 911 <clears throat> because, yeah. I mean, it meant to be emergency, 911. Sorry. Uh, I really like AK-911. I think that, I think that he could be a lot of fun... Um, the way that I would use this guy is I would use him as, like, an ally, but, he, like, you know, whenever you go to bed at night, you're like, is he gonna kill me in my sleep? You know, that <laughs> kind of a thing, like, um, and, like, maybe at the very end, at the very end, you know, he gets paid out, and he's like, well, it wasn't horrible doing business with you. <laughs> Stuff like that, that's what, that's what I picture him as, is, like, a, a king is like, oh, I've brought one of my best to come along with you. And it's just this dude who's like smoking a cigar. And he's just like, <laughs> I don't care about you. I have to ask, how much does this character be based off of HK47? Um, Actually, I already <laughs> did that. But it was based off of wanting to do another Warforge like HK47. Because we did that as a monster. That's but not a character concept. So I, I did, yes. yes. <laughs> Killer Dro I like Star Wars. Sorry, I'm not going to apologize for that. But uh, certainly inspired by it. Um, I love what Alex uh, said about uh, uh, using it as a, an ally to the players. Um, and I love the idea that they have to keep, like, he'll come and say, I got a better offer and point the crossbow. And then they start loading coins into his into his coin slot to get him to not kill him. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Delcinia says, in a different game, there was a robot named UR86, which was basically military shorthand for URNT. You are deep six, a.k.a. you are deep and dead and buried. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that'll do it for our character concept, the uh, AK-911. Our monster variant today is Animus. Ooh, that sounds nasty. Yeah. Uh, so to build this bad boy, we're going to start with the origin, the invisible stalker. We're going to lose the invisibility faultless tracker and slam and we're going to give it some new features first damage resistances acid fear or acid fire lightning thunder bludgeoning piercing and slashing from non-magical attacks they also uh, get some damage immunities against uh cold necrotic and poison and they're also mean to being charmed exhausted frightened grappled paralyzed petrified poisoned prone and restrained 
Ouch. But not all hope is lost because they are vulnerable to radiant. Um, but they also get a special little doohickey in corporal movement. They can move through other creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain. It yep. takes five 1d10 force damage if it ends its turn inside an object. So they can like squeeze. Right. And they also have sunlight sensitivity. When they're in sunlight, they have dispatch on attack rolls as well as on wisdom perception checks that rely on sight. So uh, we're also going to give it a new weapon since we took away the slam ability. We're going to call it the Soul Slayer. This is a melee Ooh. weapon attack that deals 1d8 plus 3 slashing damage and 13 or 3d8 uh, necrotic damage. The target must exceed a DC 15 con saving throw or have its hit points reduced maximum reduced equal to the damage taken. As always, if your hit points hit zero from this ability, um, you're dead. So we better take a long rest. Um, I also want to talk about its other big ability uh, called Hands of the Wicked. Um, Animus releases a burst of magical energy from its wicked hands in a 15-foot cone. And it has a variety of options. Six, actually. Would you like to tell us, Ian? Because I just realized I rolled into yours. Well, number one, you get Confusion Burst. The target must succeed on a DC Wisdom Saving Throw or it can't take reactions until the end of its next turn. On its turn, the target can't move and it uses its action to make melee or range against a randomly determined creature within range. If the target can't attack, it does nothing. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, then there is also the option of paralyzing burst. Uh, the target must succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw or be paralyzed for one minute. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on a successful save. So it, it must have seen or, or one minute. So one minute or a successful save. Yep. Ouch. We're also going to give it fear burst. The target must successful must succeed on a DC 15 wisdom saving throw or be frightened for one minute. And of course, it can repeat the saving throws uh, at the end of each of its turns, but with disadvantage if Animus is visible to the target, ending the effect on itself on a success. And it also gets scorching burst, DC 15 saving throw, and 3d10 fire damage, but fails. Got to have the generic damage attack, right? Yep. Flamethrower. <laughs> and then um, a frost burst, just a couple more. Um, the target must succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw. On a failed save, the target takes 2d8 cold damage and has disadvantage on the next weapon attack roll it takes before the end of its next turn. On a successful save, the target takes half as much damage and doesn't have disadvantage on their next attack. Ouch. And last but certainly not least, Sleep Burst. The target must succeed a DC 14 Wisdom saving throw or fall asleep and remain unconscious for one minute. The target awakens if it takes damage or another creature awakens it. The burst has no effect on constructs and undeads. I do apologize, but this is a powerful monster, so it had to have some fun abilities, uh, albeit a lot of them. Alex, what do you think about this deadly destroyer? Uh, I like that confusion burst. I'm not steal this. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Somebody is going to die. Yep. Uh, I, so I have a party of level 13, I think they are right now. They're, I think we're at level 13 right now, and mm -hmm. I'm running out of like, um, all the monsters that I'm finding right now are either way too powerful, and I'm only going to put one against them, and then they're just going to overpower it, or I have mm -hmm. to put like 20. So like, this is, this is like a beautiful, happy medium, in my opinion, yeah. of like, I can put three of these out there, Absolutely. and they're going to be like, 
oh, this is going to be fine. And then, like, the Wicked Hands are going to start, and they're going to be like, oh, this yeah. is not fine. Especially because the versatility of the Wicked Hands and the Animus is intelligent. Uh, I will have the stat block on our Patreon, as always, with the lore and the history and all that jazz. Beautiful artwork of this, six, this six-handed bastard. Uh, <laughs> so make sure you uh, consider checking that out. I will send that to you uh, when I get a chance uh, if you're that interested in it. So, uh, all right. Uh, that'll do it for our monster variant, the Animus. <laughs> now for our encounter spare a coin while traveling the characters encounter a lowly beggar dirty scruffy and smells of a latrine norman fort worth approaches any and all adventurers pleading for aid he admits that he has a gambling problem and has gotten himself into debt with some unsavory thieves guild known as the slick picks <laughs> and naturally they have threatened not his life but that's his family he, ah a beggar of the family Ugh. <laughs> Somebody is really down on their luck. He seeks aid from adventurers. He only needs a little bit more gold, the exact balance up to the GM, and he can pay them off. Once he does that, he can happily return home. Now, a character who succeeds in the DC 21 wisdom check notices a slight near unnoticeable, slight tremble in his voice. A common nervous indicator of uncomfort, normally associated with dishonesty. Yeah, normally. The truth is that Norman is an assassin for hire. He accepted a large job to kidnap a powerful noble mage. He accepted the job without making sure he had the resources to pull off the job. So now he is collecting the last bit of coin that he needs for the oil of Taggett, a potent poison that will knock out a person for an entire day while he makes the transaction. If a character who succeeds a DC 22 dexterity sleight of hand check can pilfer, uh, oh, a character who succeeds a DC 22 sleight of hand check can pilfer a small roll document from him. And if you happen to pilfer that document, you need to find someone who can read Thieves Can't, and they'll be able to read the information contained. Inside, it is a private information on Norman, including his real name, Randall Rondon, a character who succeeds a DC-15 intelligence history check, recalls spotting a wanted poster for offering a, a hefty reward, I think, if he can be turned in alive to the magistrate. No reward if dead. I guess we're bringing this guy warm. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what do you think? I think he's so fun. I, I also like, I love the idea of, um, you know, I've never really had the idea of like having like a beggar not be obvious that they're part of some, like to me, it's right. like very obvious. Oh, beggars are part of the thieves guild, but are part of this. And so just to be, just for him to be able to be so good at like, no, I swear. I also see this as one of those things that you do at like level three and then at level six, they're like, we need you to find this guy. Cause he killed a mage. And you're just like, <laughs> is that, is that that guy? Is that that guy? You know this man. <laughs> like, give him a really defined, like, chin, or, like, maybe he has two different colored eyes. You know, something something really defined so that it's just like, like oh, um, oh. Like a red coat? <laughs> uh, I, I love I love where you went with that. Um, this was I was trying to do something different. I wanted something that focused more on skills, but also something that didn't necessarily require the players to do anything other than maybe give them a few gold. Um, and the idea of 
them giving him the gold, then accepting a quest to go rescue a kidnapped or, or murdered noble uh, mage, and then realizing they're the reason that it happened is just oh, one of those fun. sweet, sweet twists. Mm-hmm. So, do you have anything to add, Ian? Uh, well, not in particular. All righty then. Um, that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast, Sparacoin. Try to get the right inflection there. <laughs> now, our mention of the podcast is the Frost Lotus, which is a icy white and blue six petal flower that grows in frozen tundras. On rare occasions, it can be found on top of a frozen mountain peak. Yes, and it is an uncommon item, just so everyone knows. And it is also a wondrous item. Of course, wondrous Lotus. Or uh, he said wondrous. Sorry. It is a wondrous item and it is also uncommon. Uh, when you cast a spell of first level or higher that deals cold damage, you can add the Frost Lotus as a material component to the spell. If you do, a, a target that takes cold damage from the spell must succeed on the DC 13 Constitution saving throw or have its movement speed reduced by half. Ooh, movement stuff. I love movement stuff. Um, the target... The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each each of its turns, ending on a successful uh, save. The Frost Lotus is consumed by the spell. Ooh, yes. I would love to hear what you think about this, Alex. My immediate thought is like um, a boss fight where the the boss is vulnerable to Frost. And they're like, this is the key to defeating this... I don't know. I don't know any monsters that are vulnerable to frost off the top of my head, but like this is the key to defeating him. And like um, the other thing that this also makes me think of is like a flesh golem is actually like a pretty a pretty high uh, DC. I mean, mm-hmm. like for low level characters. And right. so like my another idea that I had with this guy is like if you do this to the flesh golem, the flesh golem doesn't have like body temperature to warm itself up, so it'll freeze. Right. I like that. I like that a lot. That's so good. What do you think, Ian? It's, it's a good item. Handy. So, and it boosts uh, cold uh, d- damage, which is nice, because there's not that many cold spells to begin with. Right. So, so what are your guys' overall thoughts of a material component item like this that is meant to be consumed as part of the component casting of a spell? I'm for it. I've always said that. I really enjoy it. And I think that one of the things that is so fun is to just watch a player um, get freaked out about resources and be like, do I do it? Do I not? Do I do it? Mm-hmm. Do I not? And so like that, this, this kind of tickles my, my funny bone uh, where it's like, um, I get to, I get to like give this to them. And it's like, and like, see, I see another thing that I imagine with this is like, you get it from like the cleric and the cleric is like, you'll know when to use it. And then you're like, when do I use it, old man? And he's like, you'll know. <laughs> when do I use it? Like, you'll know when the time is right. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Uh, Delcinia says, I love the idea of consumable items that can enhance or change spells. Well, you're in luck because I'll be making these regularly for our patrons because uh, I intend to hopefully release, make a bunch of them and have an entire a list of spell reagents that enhance various spells in different ways. So mm-hmm. I'm playing with it. So you'll see them in our magic items until I get a good solid strategy, which I think this is a good start 
Oh, I think this is probably like the third or fourth mm -hmm. one I've done in the last probably six months. So I think we did the Scorching Fire that I totally, or Scorching Flower, which I totally didn't steal from the Mario Fire Flower thing at all. Nope, nope, <laughs> not at all. Doesn't even look like it, really. I don't know. Saying, but anyways, <laughs> that'll do it for our magic item of Frost Lotus. Our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast. Actually, Brandon showed us this at the end after the show last week. Yeah, I've seen those. They're quite nice. They're, they're very cool. They're Dungeon Morph cards from Inkwell, uh, Inkwell Ideas. So have you ever had the need to build a dungeon on the fly? Unexpected choices and actions of characters can often leave us kind of unprepared. In passing... You drop a small tidbit of lore about complex taverns said to be hidden deep under the Swamp of Sorrows. To your surprise, or not to your surprise, if you've been DMing for any amount of time, the characters <laughs> latch onto these kind of things. Right. Uh, now they want to seek it out and delve deeper into the cavern. So what do you do? Yeah, yeah, I'm prepared for that. You don't have it. You don't have a map. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you just struggle to create a fun and complex dungeon, whatever, but the dungeon morph cards can actually solve this and more issues. Absolutely. And, the, and they're small, two and a half actually have cards as a square, which have a dungeon of dungeon rooms and quarters on them. And as your characters delve into the dungeon, you can build the dungeon as they move along. And the mixing and meshing of designs is a quick and easy way to never be unprepared for a dungeon delve again. Yeah, so when he showed me to these things, um, if you're on your computer or something, quickly Google this. Um, and they're very cool, and you can shuffle them and just chuck them out as they're adventuring and build it out. And they're really nice. They all fit together in a variety of different ways. And as, as Alex had made it very clear, um, players will always go a direction you're not expecting. So having something mm -hmm. like a resource like this that – Oh, I didn't prepare for that. Oh, hey, there's a dungeon over there. Anybody that's played Skyrim knows that. When the little icon appears, you could, be, you could be dead on going a quest and, oh, what is that? And get distracted. And this is a great filler for that. That not only makes it seem like you're always prepared, but also gives you material when you don't have anything ready to go. So I thought they were awesome and ingenious. And kudos to the team over at uh, Inkwell, man. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip, Dungeon Morph Cards from Inkwell Ideas. Our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting better. <laughs> do you want to tell them about Chain Heal, Ian? Well, to start off, this is actually, actually this is our first player tip of the while where you actually are not a dick. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of... Um, Many approaches to take when healing, but one unique combination works really well. The chain heal combo. Oh, yes. Yeah. So the Circle of Stars druid gets access to starry form at second level. This allows the user to use their wild shape to take on a luminous and glimmering form. Upon choosing, you can pick up to a, pick a specific constellation form. One of those is called the Chalice. This allows the Druid to heal themselves or another ally within 30 feet whenever they cast uh, a spell using a spell slot that restores hit points. Now, Sorry. choosing a spell such as Healing Word that heals a target as a bonus action now heals two targets. We can further take it up a notch by picking the Metamagic Twin spell. When you get either, uh, when, when, wait, you get this either by multiclassing or by taking the Metamagic Adept feat. Either way, now a single bonus action can heal up to three different targets. And now, go forth and heal. This is really a this is really an episode all about healing. 
Yep. I'm on it. <laughs> what do you guys think? I almost put an NPC that was a healer, and I was like, ah, no, nah, I don't want that. <laughs> oh, no. <nah. laughs> actually, for the Princess I... of the Apocalypse campaign I ran, I actually created an NPC who was a, basically a walking heal button. Nice. But he was basically a multi-class between Life Domain Cleric and the Circle of James Druid. <laughs> so even just casting Goodberry was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, let's talk about this awesome tip. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on triple healing with a bonus action? Um, I think that it's really good. Something that I just like want to commend you on whenever you talk about the player, the player tip of the week. Um, I'm learning Magic the Gathering right now. And if there's one thing that I've learned is that finding combos is actually a lot harder than you think it is. Like whenever someone points out a combo, you're like, oh, that's obvious. Yeah, that's. And so like, I don't know if a lot of people would, would discover the combo of the meta magic feat, which would be a fun feat to have as a druid, mm -hmm. uh, combining with this, with this like uh, celestial thing. And so like, or uh, the, the star, the star, um, what is it called? The constellation, the constellation thing. So I think that it is, it is uh, amazing that, you know, you've given people such a fun little nugget to take home and like be like, oh, what about this? What about this? And like, that's just what I imagine here. Uh, it's funny. I appreciate the, uh, the, 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 the kind words because uh, Brandon, if, if I recall, says, this is why DM hate power gamers, Justin. <laughs> I love I'm the power type, gamers. Yeah, I, I like to find those things. At least I do. I know you do, there. and I love it. <laughs> but uh, this is obviously, it was very thematic. Uh, and then there's me. Yeah, bastard. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I played a shaman in Classic WoW, and Chain Heal was my jam. So, of course, you know, I, I felt I love this combo. Uh -huh. So, um, I'm trying to think there of other ways you could even improve this, and I couldn't think of, find any right off the bat, but I know there is. So, um, Someone right. will find it. Yeah, right. And if you know, share below. Yeah. Let me know. All right. Uh, that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be, be a, a dick. I missed it. I tried. I tried to pause so that I would line up better for her. But then you paused too, which is good. But then nobody said anything because I was waiting. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. <laughs> this is the internet. So, um, before we close out today, every week we love to give away fat loots. That's what we do on our show. All of us want to improve and, and grow our little hordes of loot. So, um, Alex, would you like to tell us about our RPG fat loot giveaway uh, today? I would love to. The Lost Temple of the New Thunder Tree by Purple Bog Press, which is just a fantastic name. Um, a mm -hmm. mission to check on construction at the New Thunder Tree and help with diplomacy quickly turns into an exciting adventure uh, of dungeon delving as the entrance to an ancient temple is discovered. Can your party survive long enough to learn the mystical secrets of the Thunder Tree's past and claim its riches? The Lost Temple of the New, of, of new Thunder Tree is for fifth through seventh level characters and an excellent follow-up to the mind to the lost minds of Pavlar. Yes. Or uh easily dropped into any Sword Coast Adventure campaign, honestly. Yes, it's really good stuff. And our winner for this week is Robman1210. If you didn't win, have no fear. Crit Academy is here. Head on over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. If you don't know, when you subscribe to our newsletter, you also get a free copy of our very well best-selling 
uh, product, the Challenge Accepted Skill Challenges for your 5th edition adventures. So definitely check that out. We're just, we just, that's what we do, man. Like, we just make it rain on you guys. And all we ask is for in return is your soul. I mean, you're at email address. <laughs> it's basically the same thing at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so uh, one last thing. Uh, we released our Warlord, a new non-magical martial class. Yeah. Um, it is awesome. I was a big fan of 4th edition. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that. Um, and one of my favorite classes was the Warlord. It was a support style character. Some of the fifth edition mechanics on the Fighter uh, Battlemaster are from are, are part of that, right? It is what the Purple Dragon Knight tried to be. Yeah. Oh, it failed miserably <laughs> too. Um, so the Warlord basically uses powerful shouts that buff their allies, debuff their enemies, move players in initiative order. Um, maneuver them around the field, can heal, can grant temporary hit points, can grant uh, uh, buffs to damage, all sorts of different things. And the key resource isn't spells, but is your own hit die. And because of that, it becomes very potent uh, tool of self-sacrifice. There are mechanics that offset that and there's other stuff. And there's a three, I think it comes with two different uh, subclasses. So uh, full-on class to tickle your dice. Uh, was that also the mechanic in 4e like the hit die yeah. was that also the mechanic? no, in no the shouts and the the commands was but there was no okay. everything was either encounters or at wills or uh dailies yep. so i had to mm-hmm. i had to find a way to balance yep. those you had mm. you know like what healing surges in fourth is that what yep. it's called? Okay, yeah. healing surges but, but that was something yeah. that that does so one of the shouts does let all the other players spend their hit dice to heal themselves right away um, which allows them to heal at a cost to themselves, as opposed to some spells resource. It, I, I, it turned out awesome. I couldn't have been happier. So I'm pretty sure the marine chesty polar was a warlord. <laughs> Sir, so, we're completely surrounded. Excellent. Okay, we're in all directions. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if this sounds interesting to you, please head on over to rebrand.ly/dndwarlord. Uh, I'm sure there's a link in the uh, chat box as well. Um, so, uh, I do want to give a, a, a shout out before we, uh, we close out here. We have put out a survey for the show podcast that you can help us improve, um, part <laughs> God, that image. Um, uh, we always are trying to prove, improve the show. We want you to have the best listening experience, the best watching experience. Um, and so we've put out a survey at rebrand.ly slash crit survey. Um, take a few moments, fill it out. We can help improve us and deliver a product that's better and uh, for you and for others. Um, all participants will be entered to win a $25 DMs Guild gift certificate. So you can go buy things on DMs Guild, preferably our stuff. It would be great, but if you don't have to, I guess. Um, so yeah, please do that. Um, we're all about continuous improvement and we want our, uh, show to grow. So, and that's with your help. You have the power. Now, Alex, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to not only plug your content, but promote the hell out of initiative and intrigue because she is my dungeon master. And I'm not just saying this to get browning points, though. That's always a bonus. Her, game, her, her style is absolutely wonderful. I enjoy every minute of being at that table. You slip in and out of personalities more than I slip in and out of socks. And it is in <laughs> smoother too. And 
I've only fallen once or twice a week. Um, and I just, I applaud you and your DMing skills. So blow, blow up the internet with your awesomeness right now. Well, thank you so much. Hello, my name is Alex Baum, Miss Bella Course, because I am dyslexic. Um, I have a show that runs every other Friday. Uh, we just had it this Friday. We just had it this Friday um, called Initiative and Intrigues. And Initiative and Intrigues is my baby. It is my child. Um, it is set in the Wayward Arrow setting, which is my personal setting. And the number one thing that you really need to know about that setting is that there are no dragons. It's Dungeons and Dragons, but no dragons because the dragons tried to take over and kill the gods. And so the gods were like, ha you're funny and then turn them into the thing that they hated most mortals and that is how we got the dragonborn and so um just uh just recently uh we got through the prologue of of what i call the prologue of one of my one of my campaigns and we are now facing chapter one where our mm. players have discovered a live active speaking to them dragon egg a silver dragon egg however the dragon egg is cursed. Before you see, chromatic dragons didn't really like uh, meeting with one another. And so what they would often do is they would find metallic dragon's eggs and curse them to create a chromatic dragon. Um, so now our players are off on an adventure to try to find crystals of good to hopefully come back to the dragon before she hatches so that they can feed her the crystals of good so that she they can release her from the curse. And thus the dragons will be reborn. And then we will come into chapter two. I'm excited. I want to. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of stuff going on along the way. <laughs> it's it's yes. gonna be. Y'all are party, like, it's gonna take like two weeks, and I'm like, uh huh, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. the, the 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 players in that game are awesome too. Um, there's so many great personalities. Please come and watch us. Um, lots of good talent, and it is just fun. Please, please come join us. All right. Yes. That'll do it for our show today. Had a few technical difficulties, but we made it. Yeah. <laughs> I am your host, Justin. I'm your host, Ian. And I am the guest host, Alex Baum. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes.